You're listening to the Birth Matters Podcast, Episode 17. What doesn't work is if you tell your wife or partner that another strong contraction is coming on, they don't like that. And she was like, not helping, not helping. Well, because he would look at the monitor <laughs> and I be was... like, wow, that was a really big one. I was like, yes, yes, it was. <laughs> well, Thanks for telling me. Like, now, wait a minute. Didn't I say, don't say that was a big one? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> A lot of things you remember and some things you just don't remember once you're like, once you're just kind of in there. Hey there, and welcome to the Birth Matters Show. I'm your host, Lisa Graves Taylor, founder of Birth Matters NYC Childbirth Education and Labor Support. This show is here to lessen your overwhelm on the journey into parenthood by equipping and encouraging you with current best evidence info and soulful interviews with parents and birth pros. Please keep in mind the information on this show is not intended as medical advice or to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. If you have a positive birth story you'd like to share, please email a brief summary to us at podcast at birthmattersnyc.com. Today, Birth Matters alums Liz and Matt will share the details of what they call their grumpy old Scotsman sons, uncomplicated birth at Manhattan's New York Presbyterian Weill Cornell. Liz will share how she had lots of back labor and how the epidural only worked partially and temporarily. Later, she'll share about her early breastfeeding challenges of oversupply and a food sensitivity they discovered their son has. Matt and Liz will also share some tips for partners and for the postpartum period. Then they'll reflect on the transition into life with their son after Matt had a daughter many years ago with another partner. Before we get started, if you'd like to receive your free Pack for Your Best Birth checklist and my free mini course with some expert tips for your best birth, please visit birthmattersonline.com pack, which you can also find linked in the show notes. Okay, let's jump in. Hey guys, welcome. So glad to get to chat with you guys today. Matt and Liz, tell us where you are in your journey and then share your birth story and anything else you'd like to share with us. Okay, great. So I'm nine weeks postpartum, a little over nine weeks. He was born back in February. And I would say I had in the realm of things, I think more of an easy birth than I think some women have experienced. I had you know, I had contractions that came on like really strong, really quickly. And so for a first time birth, I was really only in labor for about 12 hours before the baby was born. And yeah, so Matt's gonna can tell the story much better of like the <laughs> night of the birth. So well, actually, there was a, there was a whole day was uh, she was due in two days. So she booked herself a massage. She had been to this uh, place that you suggested, the Earth and Sky. Which uh-huh. happens to be now the same place our, as our pediatrician is. In London. Same, same, same. Uh-huh. And so she went and had that done. And the uh, massage therapist she had before said, I feel good energy. Like, you're going to be soon. And I, I feel, and Liz, of course, was like, okay. Right? <laughs> and then we also had Mexican food that night. We were craving Mexican. So we had it while we were watching the Oscars, uh-huh. which we don't typically watch, but we did. And she just started having severe pains and she had some discharge. So she called and I like, you know, wait, and she did your five one one. And then uh, we held on to the best picture. And then she was just like, this hurts. And so she called back and they said to bring her in. And so 
I wasn't quite ready. I had to throw my stuff in a bag because I thought I might not be coming home. So it was like one o'clock. We got there and it's very easy at one o'clock in the morning to get to Wild Cornell. There's nobody on the street on a Sunday night. So we just parked the car and went in and, and she wasn't, she was like a centimeter violated. And they, because there was a little bit of uh, discharge, uh, they just said, look, you're going home with the baby. We're going to admit you. And so uh, I had to go home. I had to go out and run home, park the car. Right. Cause I was like, by Monday morning, they're going to be towing my car away. And by the time I got back around four o'clock, she was a happy camper. Yeah, I ended up, so the reason I ended up getting an epidural was because he was positioned in a really, he was, it was like back labor. Uh, so it was like extreme and fast too. So, you know, you know, I was dilating really quickly. So I ended up with, which that's um, unusual with a posterior baby, actually, that yeah. it usually slows down the dilation. So it's nice that it didn't, although it made it more intense, yeah. of course. <laughs> so then I was just like, well, but what the nurse said when I was, she was like, I'm surprised you're not just doing a natural birth because you're coping really well with this pain. Where did you learn how to do this? And I was like, oh, birth class, we learned these things. <laughs> so it actually really helped to kind of learn some of the breathing techniques and walking around and stuff like that. So then I got the epidural, but then the epidural stopped working because of his position. Oh, no. So I was one of those like rare cases. They said that because of his position, no amount of drugs is going to help you with, the, with this, where he is in the pain. And so ironically, I got the epidural, but it, didn't, it only helped me for like a, couple, a few hours of the 12 hours. But those were a lovely couple hours because <laughs> it, went, it went from here to like here. Yeah. She was like kind of a little high. She's like... Honey, I'm fine. I'm good. <laughs> and then after a couple of hours, she's like, it hurts. So, oh, it's uh, back. But she, she held out as long as she could, but they just kind of, yeah. I, I, and then, what, by the way, what doesn't work is if you tell your wife or partner that another strong contraction is coming on, they don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> I would tell her no, that. She's like, make she it like, go Stop. away. She wasn't quite that nice. But she was like, not helping, not helping. Well, because he would look at the monitor <laughs> and I be was, like, wow, that was a really big one. I was like, yes, yes, it was. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Thanks for telling me. <laughs> so then I had, to, I had to watch the monitor all for 12 hours. And be like, now, wait a minute. Didn't I say, don't say that was a big one? <laughs> yeah. A lot of things you remember and some things you just don't remember once you're like, once you're just kind of in there. And I mean, the, the room was lovely and I, there was less people until it was for, until it was like the last five minutes. It was just really the nurse and the doctor. And I just, in my little mind, thought there was people swarming in all and out. There's not. It's just the nurse and the doctor. Mm-hmm. And the doctor's not even there the whole time. She just comes in, tells you to push. She's happy if you go half a millimeter. She's like, that was fantastic. I'm like, what is, nothing happened. She's like, half a millimeter is great. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so uh, she pushed for about two hours. Yeah. I also had meconium. So mm-hmm. they called the pediatrician to be there when he came out in case there was any issue. But, you know, I it was pretty, te- I guess, pretty textbook. So I pushed for, well, I pushed for two hours. So I pushed for two hours. Okay. And then he came out and he, immediately he started crying and everything was fine. So, right. so know, they didn't have to do deep suctioning? No. Yeah, in the last few years, they've changed the protocol. They used to do deep suctioning if there was any meconium at all. But now if it's just if the baby gives a good cry, they seem like they're fine. They don't do standards. So I'm glad to hear that. When did your water break? So they think 
when I got to the, I was, yeah, had a lot of blood coming out and that's why they decided to admit me, even though I wasn't like the normal amount of dilated at first. Mm-hmm. And so they think that it was negative for water when I first got there, but the nurse said once they discovered the meconium, sort of probably, I would say a couple hours in, they said, you know what, maybe with your bloody discharge, we might've missed that it was already like a ah. Okay, so you're not, you didn't actually notice when it happened. Yeah, Yeah. I didn't. Yeah, a lot of times you don't. Yeah, I think Mm -hmm. I was already, you know, in the process when it happened. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Let's see, as far as preparedness and readiness of items, we're probably over-prepared, I would Mm -hmm. say. And some kind of feedback as far as like what to take, as far Mm -hmm. as what our experience Mm -hmm. at Wild Cornell, you could have walked in naked and they would have given you everything. Like nice. they gave us nice. tons of different, very nice toiletries, toothbrushes. We left there with just bags of stuff that, that they gave us. So really, I think we overpacked us. She overpacked as far as clothes mm-hmm. um, because they just provided everything, which is nice. I know we did, she did buy stuff, but we didn't really get a chance to use it because they, they were just so generous with what they gave us, mm-hmm. even like with diapers and wipes and Kleenexes and, and the large um, after yeah all this like a lot of the stuff you recommended which was awesome this hospital i think a lot maybe a lot of the hospitals do it now but they provided a lot of the stuff the only Mm -hmm. thing they didn't provide was like a peanut ball or you Mm -hmm. know oh the weeby pads lifesaver yeah uh yeah they are they are a lifesaver because i couldn't imagine somebody not having that and using their their cloth (laughs) or their cover or as much as little man likes to you know, let them go sometimes and uh, yeah. they really care where he is. So that has been, a, those, those, those were probably the, one of the best suggestions. Uh, we have them all over the place. Glad to hear that. I'm trying to think, we're kind of all over the place. So it was like textbook, like what you said, the third day of breastfeeding, I was like, I can't breastfeed and my milk's not going to come in. I'm going to be terrible at it. So it was like, exactly as you said, the third day was extremely challenging he didn't go to the bathroom for like hours on end. And so then I was cons- we were concerned about him getting enough. So then we caved and gave him a formula, but then my milk supply came in with like a vengeance. So I actually have an oversupply issue. And now literally today we found out that his, you know, from learning from your class, he was having a week of green diapers, green poop. Mm-hmm. So we took it in to the pediatrician, even though the nurse kept saying like, oh, green's normal. I was like, not for a breastfed baby. It's not. Um, Not for that long. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh-huh. it turns out it came back positive for the potential allergy. And so I'm going to have to like cut out milk and soy. Milk and soy oh, and it's so not fun. I'm yeah. sorry to hear that. Yeah. So we're going to try that. And then if that's not the issue, we'll, we'll start eliminating something else to see if he has an allergy to something else and we'll go from there. But honestly, if I, we hadn't gone through the class and learned all of the different poop to look for, I would have just taken the nurses for their word. I mean, yeah. the pediatrician actually came back and said, bring the diapers in. We need to test it. Mm-hmm. But the nurses kept saying, that's normal. That's normal. That's normal. Mm-hmm. I don't think we would have, I would have pushed for talking to the actual doctor if I didn't know, like not when you're breastfeeding. So yeah. That's well, great. That's well, great. Education. We learned, swaddling was a good thing to, to learn. Mm-hmm. I was an expert at the beginning with the, uh, we have the, 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 the swaddle sack is, makes it easier, uh-huh. but, sure. but I, w- I was really good with the actual blanket 
when he was like six and a half pounds, seven pounds. But he's 13 now, so uh, wow. he, he, we're just we're getting away from Swallow already because he breaks out of it. He's a he does a he does a prison break uh, for, for swaddling. <laughs> oh, Houdini. <laughs> well, can I go back to the pushing stage? Um, I was sure. just curious about how is that shift from the first stage to the second stage for you, and what worked for you with pushing? Do you feel like was it so, a learning curve? Were there certain things that worked better than others for you? For me. I found the pushing stage actually to be the hardest for some reason mentally mm-hmm. because I was going into once they were like, we're ready to push. I felt like this is the end. Right. But then it was like two more hours longer. Yeah. <laughs> That's challenging. And so what, one of the things that didn't work is the, the, not the pediatrician, the, doctor kept coming in and saying, you're almost there for like two hours. I was like, I don't believe you anymore. I don't believe <laughs> Stop you lying to me. <laughs> Stop yeah. lying to me. <laughs> yeah. But really, but really what did work is that, you know, how the nurse and Matt were sort of coaching me into, were coaching me into like exactly how to push and what it should feel like. So that really worked really, really well. And then I just, I used the stuff that I learned even with running, like we've talked about, where it's Mm -hmm. like, if you just focus on like little milestones along the way, Mm -hmm. it makes the whole, it makes the time go by a lot quicker. So Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, he's come out X amount, you know, Mm -hmm. and then I just kept focusing on what it was going to be like when he finally came out. And her pain subsided. Yeah. Oh, good. So what's that pushing is she seemed blessed in pain it was a different type of exhaustion yeah. but it wasn't the pain she was feeling right. from light from contraction because she was she was pushing yeah that's often the case for for women did he come out posterior did he come out sunny side up i don't remember honestly how he ended up coming out he came out face down yeah so okay so he must have rotated yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah um is that right i think so I remember him just all of a sudden, he was just out. He went from this little teeny bit to like his entire body. He just slipped out and he was like blue for a second and then he unfolded because he was all folded up and he looked yeah. all like lanky. And, and then, uh-huh. you know, 17 people s- swoop in and they put the gel in his eyes and cover him. And, and then we did, we did skin, we both did skin to skin within four minutes. Yay. So she That's had great. it first and then I had, took my shirt off and I did it for a little bit with him. And so they were really, they were glad to see that when, when, uh, when I say, can I do it too? They're like, absolutely, dad, you can do it. Of course you can. So he mm-hmm. looked like a little upset, grumpy Scottish man. That's, that's how he got his name. That's how he got his name. Uh, we had two picked out. Sebastian was the other one. Ah, so, you wanted to wait till you saw him to. We did. And then we just saw him. We're just like, he was a grumpy old Scotsman. So we were like, well, <laughs> it, was a, it, was a, it was a done deal then. But yeah, I, I guess we're pretty fortunate. It was pretty uncomplicated birth. I mean, mm-hmm. I want to say textbook. I mean, twelve hours is pretty pretty quick in, in the mm-hmm. life of a in labor is not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's on the low. Yeah, it's below the average because average is about eighteen hours for a first time labor. Yeah. 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 And all. I mean, I think she was happy that there was no cesarean. Right? Yeah. So oh. she was a little concerned about that, but she. I mean, she yeah. Was, the, she was awesome. You have a whole host of other issues, but. <laughs> <laughs> not the c-section ones yeah <laughs> right yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did you, uh, um, do you want to share elaborate on that at all yeah no, so no worries if you don't. it was interesting because i didn't think my pushing time was very long 
but some of the nurses in the hospital seem to think in the grand scheme of my labor, the pushing was like a little bit longer than most. And I got horrible hemorrhoids, like, Oh yeah. Really bad. Mm-hmm. I had minimal tearing, which was good, but the combination of like even the minimal tearing and the horrible, horrible, horrible hemorrhoids was just like, even the nurses would be like, Oh wow. When they were oh. saying, oh, that's not good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that whole after scene is something to <laughs> something to see as a, as a as a as a as a male. Yeah. You really have to appreciate your partner because you're like that's a lot happening down there yeah. afterwards because you know yeah. it's you know swollen and sore and there's stuff everywhere. You're just like that's wow, that's a lot. And so, uh, um, then I also yeah. I had the I did not have constipation. I had the opposite issue. I was asked, I asked for privacy when I went to the bathroom the first time. So that meant they had to come back several times to ensure I actually peed. Yeah. The, like, you know, for the discharge. And then I almost, I also, the last weird thing that happened is I had pain in my calf, like five weeks at postpartum, mm-hmm. which can be a sign of like a blood clot. And so I had to go in yep. for, to do that. But because I was a runner, I didn't even think anything of it. Oh, sure. So at first, I didn't even say anything until I was just talking with someone. I was like, it's really weird. I haven't been doing anything other than walking, and my calf muscle is killing me. And so then I went in, and it turned out to be fine. But there's just, it's just basically all to say that there's like all this weird stuff that happens, (laughs) and some of it's on the list, and some of it's not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many different possible things, and it, and usually it's normal, but it's so hard to know when you've never gone through it what is, well, both in labor and in postpartum, right? Yeah. And Dr. Google does not help. Oh, my goodness. No. Dr. Google <laughs> Run away not, from Dr. Google. <laughs> Dr. Google. Well, that's not been our experience, but Dr. Google, <laughs> Dr. Google can be overwhelming when you just type in something because everything yeah. from rubella fever to <laughs> it's Monday comes up as far as why there's green poop, Yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, turns out, I mean, there was something, but still, when you when you search, you get just so many different answers. Yeah, it's confusing. You know? So, mm-hmm. you know, we survived fifty years ago without Doctor Google, and everything was fine, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right, exactly. Liz, in terms of with the hemorrhoids, did you find any certain remedies that helped you? So I did a couple of sits baths. It was like hard. So I think one of my biggest pieces of advice is, and this was what one of my friends told me before I get birth, is take a shower every single day. Mm-hmm. It's like Good a one. basic yeah. thing, but it improves your like mental health and makes you feel so much more human in the mm. like really challenging postpartum period. If you just do right. like basic self care, soothing mm-hmm. things. So like the sits bath really helped. The witch hazel pads really helped. And you know, it's just do it religiously because otherwise like if one day I like skipped it and it just, it was a setback. So mm-hmm. yeah. Good, my advice tip. for the fathers out there yes, or, the please, spouses, please. or the spouses mm-hmm. or the partners mm-hmm. is that listen to your wife and do as much. Oh my goodness. Do. And I, I'm laughing, but do as much as you can for them because it's helpful to them. And if they say they're not tired, then don't make them sleep. So we learned that the hard way. Mm-hmm. I was so caring about her wanting because she was sleep deprived. And we both were, but in reality, she was more so because she lets me kind of off the clock after 10, 30, 11 o'clock because I'm back to work and she's not. <laughs> but if there'd be a time during the day, I would say, 
you know what? I haven't for the next couple hours. You go sleep. And she's like, I don't want to sleep. I want to relax, but I don't want to sleep. Uh-huh. So I think uh-huh. it's important that the fathers understand what the women are going through, not just from giving birth, but then they have to breastfeed. And there's just a lot. I mean, I, you go through a lot in general as a family, but there's so much happening, yeah. you know, and, and there's so much that we can do. Mm. I mean, we need our sleep too. Every, everyone does. And you do the best you can. We decided to throw in moving at the same time uh, <laughs> of having a baby. So we thought that would be much less stressful. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, we're making all that work and it's happening tomorrow. So we'll, oh we'll see God. what happens. Yeah, I mean, I think what, to elaborate on the sleep thing, it's just like people always say sleep when the baby sleeps, you know, but sometimes... Everybody laughs like, at that, right? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes <laughs> you're just like, that's ridiculous. if you have a minute, you actually just want to sit and read the newspaper or... Feel human. Cook. Yeah, or maybe you can't, like, go to sleep on demand and, it, you know, that mm. kind of thing, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, everything yeah. that's supposed to work on babies to calm them does not work for him. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so so the five a, S's no. He does no not good. take a passy. Yeah. He was not, he, we got him a Mamaru. Uh huh. Mamaru. Yes. Well, we had, we had a rock and play, but you know, that was recalled. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So we bought a Mamaru. He, he can tolerate that for 12 to 15 minutes, not a passy. And then, yeah, we bought him a certain type of swaddle, the nested bean swaddle. Mm-hmm. We got good reviews, hates it. <laughs> the whole weighted thing doesn't work for him so we're just like whatever is supposed to work for your child does not work for him yeah it's, it's a guessing game around. you he really have behind me ah, uh-huh. he loves yeah. mr clock if you're in his if you're in his line of sight he's like excuse me <laughs> you're in front of mr clock move out of the way <laughs> move out of the way mr clock would like to talk to me he's in his talking his little goo goo oh the sounds were very oh, helpful. yeah I the think- sounds you taught us were very helpful Oh yeah, good. Like About the grunts uh, and this and, and the, the baby language, basically. The Dunstan baby yeah. language, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. good. And I think you know, it's like the most rewarding things are like when he start, they start hitting certain milestones. Like obviously the first smile, but now he's like very talkative. He obviously yeah. takes after Matt in multiple ways. And have you had time to? What about the just sort of the this new and improved identity that you've taken on, how has that processing been or have you had time to reflect much? For me, I think it's, it's been awesome. I mean, I'm just really exciting to be able to, you know, think about how your, your perspective completely changed. And Matt was sent, sent me this article the other day that was so true that they've done studies that your actual internal biology changes when you get went as a woman, when you get, when you get birth, like your personality can change slightly and all these different things. Mm-hmm. I think that's very true, you know, and just, I think we also have been trying to figure out, you know, how to make sure that each one of us is getting to pursue our individual interests that are outside of our identity of being parents. Oh, that's so healthy. That's why it's really yeah. smart. Good advice. <laughs> and it's been hard right now because we're moving, but you know, like we, we spend a little bit of time not talking about some things he wants to be doing. And then, you know, I do little things like basic stuff like, Oh, I want to continue. I'm right. I'm supposed to run the marathon. So how am I going to train for that? I was going to ask about like, are you back to running? How's that going? (laughs) Yeah. So I started running a little bit. I was just like, wow, I didn't even know I had this muscle before I had a baby. (laughs) Now I know that's there. Yeah, she came, so, back for her. she came back for like a two-mile run. I was saying, sweet, how to go? She goes, not well. It did not go well. Oh, no. I'm in pain. It did not go well. But she did it. Yeah, but it's just, I think, 
you know, there's not much time to reflect yet, but I think it's just like all your, your perspective. Yeah. It's just other things become important, you know? And I used to, you know, I'm, I've, I'm still dedicated to my career and things like that, but that used to be occupy so much of my headspace. And now it's just mm-hmm. like, everything seems that seemed challenging before it seems a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. Because you just gave birth and you're like, you, you discovered your superhero powers, yeah. <laughs> hero and the powers. Right. <laughs> and yeah. for me, I'm just learning to be a dad again. I mean, my daughter's 29. Yeah. So, you know, right. things are very different, as I said, in birthing class than they were 30 years mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. We didn't have Dr. Google <laughs> or mm-hmm. 17 different machines to put them in. That's connected to my Bluetooth iPhone that we can control the music. It's just, it's, it's, yeah. it is a little overwhelming. The stuff that's out there that you can purchase and buy because you read somewhere that helped this one baby in Montana on a Tuesday sleep for three hours. And you're like, purchase by Amazon must, must have now <laughs> went to sleep. And uh, mm-hmm. you have to kind of be careful about that because you know, it can be a little overwhelming. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's got to be, thank you for reminding me that you, had a, had a daughter so long ago. And it, so obviously you already explored that new identity and have had that identity for many years now, but I'm sure it seems like, I would think it feels like a lifetime ago. And, and I, like you're saying, things were so different. Things were different. And Liz keeps asking me how long I say, honey, I, not that I don't care about my daughter. I, I don't remember. I don't remember mm-hmm. how long she breast, my wife breastfed at the time. Mm-hmm. I just don't, I did. I just don't remember how long or why she stopped. Was mm-hmm. it because of daycare back then? I, I don't know. We were we were young and poor, and maybe that's I don't know. So I can't unfortunately reflect on all of it, mm-hmm. but I think it comes out in our parenting skills already. Is that I subconsciously I think not treat him different. Listen right here, like <laughs> I know he's not going to break. Does that make sense? Sure. Like sure. not that I throw him around, but I just I know because of with Shannon what I was able to do, and she's a first time mom, so it's it's a little different. So. That's our challenge is that I've had one. And while I don't remember every nuance, I do remember that they aren't porcelain mm. and that they, they are able to be handled. If I don't know if that makes sense or even sounds like I'm a good dad. I just meant those are our challenges with our age difference and just for the fact that I'm, I'm not a first-time dad anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so, you know, I think a lot of first-time dads probably have greater challenges than me who haven't had that experience because they're learning together in tandem instead of kind of like this, you know, but I'm learning lots of things because she tells me, <laughs> she's like, no, you don't do that anymore. No, 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 they don't sleep on their backs anymore. I knew that one already. <laughs> That's very old fashioned of you. They sleep you. on their backs. Like, I think Shannon was in her bed with a, with a pillow and a blanket in 1989. Probably, sure. right? Uh-huh. Probably. It wasn't that we did, we just didn't know. Right. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, I mean, your class was very helpful and we had a, because you know I'm shy. We had a we had a, we had a good time. <laughs> you were our class clown, and I loved it. <laughs> oh I mean it as a compliment. I, I think I think this one got my uh, personality. He uh, likes to talk yeah. to the audience that doesn't exist. He just likes to ah, and there's no one there. He just likes to talk to them. <laughs> what other questions do you have for us? Is there anything? about the pregnancy, your journey through pregnancy that you would want to share? Well, I had like such, everything they said happened to you, like the opposite happened to me. So (laughs) they're like, oh, you're going to be sick. 
you're going to be sick. I had like zero morning sickness, right? Yay, you. That's amazing. Yeah. You're going to be constipated the whole time. I had the complete opposite problem the entire time. But, you know, I think the, the biggest challenge was is that for me and my job, I'm a pretty high level at the organization I work for. So I think it's just not, I think tons of women are in this situation, but it was very hard being pregnant when you're in a position of power and you're a woman because you can't really like confide in your staff in the same way about the experiences. And Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of mothers that worked for me, but it was like harder. It was in some ways it was like very, it was a lot harder to like build bridges because I was in this unique position of power over, over them Mm -hmm. and sort of in, in, the working world. And then also I realized that because of where I was in the, my position, I had a lot more flexibility, honestly, because I was the boss, right? I am the boss. And so I think the benefit for pregnancy is that like it, you know, it's true. If you have female leaders in an organization, your policies are probably going to improve because if they're having children, they understand sort of what needs to happen Mm -hmm. for people to want to keep working there and stuff like that. So that was just something during my pregnancy that kind of I, I learned along the way about, you know, more appreciation for certain things, I think. Mm. Oh, that's good stuff. And do you mind me asking how long are you taking off before you go back? So I can take up to four months, but I'm going to save, I'm going to do it like intermittent. So I'm mm-hmm. actually going to go back leaving like a week and a half left over so that I can take it later on. Because nice. I figure, you know, it just it's a good cushion in case there's something unpredictable that happens or what have you. We also have a more generous leave policy for our union staff members. They can take up to like eight months. So wow, yeah. that's amazing. So they so they wow. can yeah, just with the com- combination of like the New York policy, mm-hmm. and then our company like the FMLA stuff. And then this additional union benefit that can take mm-hmm. up to eight months. So. Wow. That's, yeah. uh, we need more of that in the U.S. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. I wish you were in Canada. I think that's like one year. That's a pretty good deal. So uh-huh. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm taking some intermittent paid family leave. That's what I was just so about you to have, ask. You have a year to take it. So I think mm-hmm. tentatively I'm going to take off December. Since we're closed half December anyway, I get full pay for half of the month because I work for school. So mm-hmm. we're, college is closed. So if I take off half a month, I'll get still decent, uh, you know, because the paid family leave is great, but it's not anywhere near what some of us and what you bring home. Yeah. So, but it's a, it's a great policy and I'm, I'm glad I cemented my job taking advantage of it. Yeah. And I, mean, I think it's important. I think it's, I think it's great for dad to be around too. Mm-hmm, just absolutely. To, just to bond with their, with their kid. I mean, and to give the moms a break sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know? So we're, we are, so we're a little nervous about daycare as you can mm-hmm. probably imagine. Yeah, I mean, jumping, so first I'll just jump back in the conversation. I think during, I'll go back to pregnancy for a second. Uh I think, so, I think one of the overwhelming things for me about pregnancy, though, was the amount of tests I had to do for that were recommended, right? Mm -hmm. Because I was in the over 35 category. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's sort of like you, you know, you just have too much information. Mm -hmm. And as someone who's like super anxious anyway, I was, I felt like I didn't enjoy just the process of pregnancy as much because I was always worrying about the next test result, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, it's hard to do it when it's your first pregnancy, but a word of advice is just to kind of like 
if you have the right personality, try to embrace some the, the moment rather than worrying if pregnancy is going to last or if this mm-hmm. test is going to come back, whatever. So, yeah. But because I think I didn't have as many physical symptoms, I then focused on this other stuff. Ah. <laughs> Gave you too much bandwidth, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> for yeah. that. What about your support after you came home with the baby? Did you have extra help or what did that look like for you guys in the, these first few so, weeks? So my brother and my mom came up, but primarily it was the two of us. Matt took three weeks off, which was essential. But then I also have this great group of female friends who all have like one to two children. And they kind of, it was sort of the same thing you helped us with in terms of labor. They said the first three weeks are hell. If you can get through the first three weeks and they're very specific about the first three weeks huh, interesting <laughs> you get through the first three weeks it's like yeah, so much easier and I think that was accurate because you know you have first the breastfeeding challenges mm-hmm. then it's like the cluster feeding tends to happen the most in that first three weeks mm-hmm. and then once babies get to be about a month old there starts to be a little bit more of you've gotten into certain rhythms about things and and stuff like that And so I think the thing that was most helpful to me, even though we didn't have tons of people coming to the house, it was more just having that network of friends or people that you can actually talk Mm -hmm. to. Like, is this normal? Why is this happening? I'm going crazy. Am I going to be okay? That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Nice. There was a lot of sleep in the first three weeks too for him. So much feed, feed, sleep, hold. Yeah, I think it's also just the, the around, what is it, like a month and a half when their sensory input like goes away, or their, what is the word I'm looking for? They start to be aware of sounds and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. That's a shock because you're used to being able to like do daily things around the house and them to sleep through it. And then all of a sudden, no more. <laughs> so. Uh-huh. Close that door and he's like, hello, I'm ready to play. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how did you deal with your oversupply, if you don't mind my asking? Well, actually, I saw the lactation consultant today. Okay. So for she gave a few more tips, which is that he has a little bit of reflux too, which is probably tied into the oversupply, is that I got the My Breast Friend breastfeeding mm-hmm. pillow, which I love. I had that you too. it to yourself and all these things. But she said, actually... In my case, it's actually better not to use a breastfeeding pillow or uh-huh. to have a different layer on underneath him that it makes him breastfeed like this with his head at the top. Makes and his sense. Body down below. Uh-huh. Yep. So that he's, you know, he's gravity's working against my breasts basically. Mm-hmm. And so that's when that can help a lot. At first, I thought the green poop was the four milk kind milk. And so then I had to switch to doing just one boob. And today, for example, he breastfed for 10 minutes and, you know, they weigh, weigh the baby before and after. And mm-hmm. he did five ounces, four to five ounces. Four. Yeah. So it's like, there's wow. a lot happening. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's just kind of having to manage the fact like he was choking every single time he breastfed, like, cause it was like, or I'd spray him in the face. <laughs> and so, you know, you really have to manage that because then it's just like a really unpleasant experience. And I also was pumping incorrectly because I was trying to start building up supply for work. 
but she said I've been pumping way too much, which is like, that can aggravate the problem. Yeah. So, uh-huh. I, you know, the other thing I dealt with is I learned that I have to like pump a little bit less and elevate him and sometimes even express milk before he starts eating. Sure. So that's sort of, those are all the things that I've, I've dealt with, but I think in terms, and then in terms of me physically, it's really uncomfortable. So now that he's, so he just started sleeping more hours at night. But for me, that means I wake up with like huge boobs that he can't even latch onto. I'm in extreme pain. Oh, and yeah. so it's, I think it's just like, you have to really, you just manage by the like hot and cold compresses. You just know that because you have this issue, you're going to have to express milk a little bit more often and feed them in different positions and do things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did the lactation consultant just mention milk banks that you could donate if you have extra? Oh, no, she didn't. Yeah. She didn't mention that. Just in case you end up with more than you can use. Yeah. That can like save preemies lives. Maybe I'll do that. Oh, well, we have a whole freezer full because I'm going to have to start from scratch I think, though. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause of the move. Oh yeah. No, because no. of the, we just found out today oh, the food that he has an allergy. So I have to talk to the right. pediatrician, but I assume that means I can't use any of my stash. Oh, I hope you could been, donate it rather yeah. than throw it away. Yeah. So maybe <laughs> that's a possibility. I'm happy to send you those resources if that's helpful. Yeah. Yeah, that'd yeah. be great. Because we're just going to obviously gonna toss it. Yeah. So that would be, we'll be more than happy to take it yeah. somewhere if it could help somebody. Great. I'll, I just jotted that down. I'll send it to you. Well, great. Well, anything else you guys would like to share? I know that you need to probably get back to your packing and getting ready to move, <laughs> given well, your moving time. We're tomorrow, a disaster but... over here, but uh, <laughs> I was trying to think of stuff that yeah. we, we planned for that ended up not using. Uh-huh. Like, what was the food? Like we, cause we, cause he was like, Oh, you should be able to eat up until whatever. And they were like, not having it. They were like, no, they were like, once you're admitted, all you can have is clearly uh, it's a yellow. Yeah, yeah. Cause they were like, you can't have anything. They're like, no. Okay. Uh, not that she really had time. Cause yeah. by the time she got in, it was like early morning and we tried to sleep a little bit. And then she was, she was already pushing by one, 1 PM. So we really didn't have that much time. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I was pushing earlier than one. I was pushing. At 12. Cause he was born at two or five. Yeah, two or six. So, mm-hmm. but that was. I mean, other than that, it was. Yeah, it was very helpful. Very helpful. I think we feel very fortunate that it went so smoothly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there wasn't a six thousand people giving birth that night. Yeah, <laughs> I guess the Oscars were on a popular night to give birth. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, Yay for you guys. Thank you for sharing your sure. experiences. This is really wonderful and so helpful. And I, I love that both of you were available to talk. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And little Lachlan. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Even though he's having a I day. should say, the three of you, your family was available. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. So that's all for today's story. As you're packing your bag for birth and before you purchase things, you may want to check with your hospital on what supplies are and are not provided because every hospital is slightly different on how much supplies and what kinds of supplies they provide. I'm all for saving money if you can, but you also want to be sure you're prepared. In Liz's case, their hospital was amply stocked in this area. When Matt was talking about looking at the monitor and telling Liz, ooh, honey, that was a big one, I just want to mention that in general, I recommend to look away from the monitor. It usually is only going to give you a false sense of control. Just because one hill on the monitor that represents a contraction is bigger than another one does not mean she perceived it as a stronger one. 
This is because what we're doing for pain coping strategies, also known as comfort measures, has everything to do with our perception of the intensity. The only time I recommend for partners to look at the monitor is if she wants to be told when she's at the halfway mark as a coping strategy, and particularly if the contractions aren't consistent in the length so that you can't just do that with a timer. Matt mentioned Wii pads, which are also known as chucks, spelled C-H-U-X, pads. I always recommend grabbing a box of these for a couple of purposes. First, to have underneath you in any car rides during labor to catch any bodily fluids, in a home birth to have underneath you on the bed or any plush surfaces, and to have stashed in your diaper bag for use as a disposable changing pad when you're out and using those changing tables in public restrooms, which can be really nasty. Liz mentioned a sitz bath that's spelled S-I-T-Z. This is a basin that sits on top of the toilet seat that your care provider might give you to fill with water and soak your perineum in several times a day after birth, particularly if you have stitches, to facilitate healing. You can simply soak in water or you could add something like Epsom salts, cooled chamomile tea, or other herbs that are soothing for the skin, or a sitz bath soak. You can purchase it already made, or I have a sitz bath herbal recipe you could make if you like making homemade remedies, and I'll paste that in the show notes. I've linked to my list of recommended products in this episode's show notes at birthmattersshow.com, which includes not only chucks pads and sitz bath soak options, but lots of other items that may be useful to you in pregnancy, labor, or in the postpartum period. Okay, here's a sneak peek of what we have for you next week. All the contingency plans that we could think of, we did actually kind of go through. It just feels like, though, when it happens, yeah. everything's out the window. Yes, You're in yes. the room. There's a baby coming. You know, <laughs> yeah. you got a train rolling at you. There's a plane about to like, you know, it just feels really like, uh, I, I feel like, like everything's happening. We didn't even all bring all our stuff with us. Nope. We only brought a small go bag because, I'm again, the denial of, I don't want to bring all this stuff over there if I'm not actually going right. to, you know. See you next week. And remember, you are your baby's best advocate.